0: Hi, folks. This is Alan Watt, and it is Wednesday, the 20th of December, 2006. It's been a hectic uh, time uh, with winter coming on, and it's the time where everything that should work doesn't work. So you're very, very busy if you live in the country when you depend on things which you you must use machines. And things today, the, the newer a machine, the less likely it's going to work for too long because things are just churned out today, mass-produced, uh, fancy designs, but but really they're not meant to last at all. And you find this out when you talk to the different small engine repair guys who'll advise you to even put a thousand dollars in old. Snow blowers, and rather than buy the new ones, unless you're buying the top of the line. Because everything really is made to be disposable today. So much so that even the mechanics don't want to work on some of these new machines because they're so darn complicated to get into just to get to the part you're trying to fix. That's how things are. And on Sunday, last Sunday, had a blowout on a highway. No other vehicles on the road, tarmac road. And this is a turn up for the books because when the the guy dismounted the tire to find out what had gone through, and it was towards the edge of the tire, so they don't really repair that, they can't repair that. There was a, a stainless steel cheapo Chinese butter knife inside the tire. And how that got in there, I've no idea. Because the angle it would have had to be at, almost as though it was in a socket in the, the tarmac road, to hold it at that angle to penetrate the tyre, the rear tyre at that, um, it is just astounding. It's millions and millions to one. So that's a turn up for the books. tonight. Since we're talking about wonky things happening to wonky people with wonky brains, I'm going to talk about Kevin Warwick, that's W-A-R-W-I-C-K, the professor who's been promoted to the world to get us used to the idea of brain chip implants. And he has been promoted big time. Nothing comes out big time unless they put you there to do it whether you're a writer, author, uh, spokesperson for something or trying to advocate something, when they all work in unison worldwide, all the big television companies, when you're really not seeing anything that's new, although they prote- this guy pretends he's, he's breaking the ground on this, this technology, then you know it's a coordinated effort to familiarize us with an idea and that's what we call predictive programming. And we read part of an interview he gave, and at the end of it I'll I'll tell you where to find this interview. So dark, or a fortress strong with chains upon my feet. You know that ghost is me, and I will never be set free as long as I'm a ghost. You can't see. He's interviewed by Sally Errols. So here it goes. Kevin Warwick, Professor of Cybernetics at Reading University, England, is a well-known and celebrated UK scientist. His pioneering research into neural implants has led him to receiving his own implant which linked his nervous system to the internet, in effect making him a human cyborg that's the lie right Right there you see he's the stuff that he's talking about as though he's groundbreaking and, and, and the cutting edge is old stuff uh, Huxley talked about this back in the 1950s and 60s when he worked at Tavistock Institute in England so this is very old stuff about 15 years ago in the Swedish newspapers they, had, they were given reports of prisoners, volunteers uh, in prison Yeah, who were getting this done to them too and they were hooking them up to computers so this has all been done and yet we're given this this nonsense, this dribble to believe just to get us used to the, the simplicity of it the stage that it's supposed to be at according to Warwick Warwick delivered a public lecture at the recent Christmas event of the South Wales branch of the British Computer Society, organised by IT Wales and held at the National Waterfront Museum. In his presentation to an audience of more than 200, Warwick discussed his own implants and the ethical issues surrounding the possible future of upgraded humans. Upgraded humans, interesting term. People don't realize they've been getting this term and, and, and others, similar terms, put into their heads for years through science fiction. And we find that in the Star Trek series there was genetic enhancement, they called it. Um, then we had uh, Seven of Nine, very cabalistic name they gave her, who was part cyborg with implants in her implanted right into her brain because she was she used to be a member of the Borg that had come over to the to the other side. Carrying on here. It says following the lecture, Professor Warwick spoke to Sally Earls about his work. His media notoriety and his plans for the future. So say this is just a, a front man, a, a smiling goon basically, who's meant to con us into thinking it's still the early days, so as that we go along with the first things they will present to us, which will probably be chips and the arms and stuff, which which is this kind of stuff he's really been doing so far. The idea of cybernetics sounds a bit like science fiction to many. How would you define your subject? Now you can tell by the questions as well. They're presented to him. This is a format, a question answer that's been written by someone else, a professional to make it sound very tame and nice and exciting. How would you define your subject? So here he goes. Cybernetics is historically defined as controls and communications in humans and machines. And for me in the subject that really involves humans and technology interacting in many ways, particularly in biomedical areas, the use of technology for medicine, and helping people in one way or another, but also looking at all sorts of technological entities from a systems point of view and how it operates when a human is in the loop. So this includes things like robotics and artificial intelligence. One of my main interests it would be for someone who isn't too intelligent wouldn't it? And you can tell here again from what he's saying, this is all scripted uh, because they always use the front people, the cripples, the poor the sick um, to get their way we have a, a, a massive industry going worldwide right now in body parts and fetal tissue from abortions and yada 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 and even in China there reports that came out of there of prisoners being executed because they have the right DNA match for body parts that someone, some rich so and so was looking for And that all started with some poor woman, a genuine person, with a daughter or a son who needed a kidney or whatever. And that's how that whole industry got started. And that's how we went along with it, because they always use this hook of of to help people. And we can tell by the history of this world, the elite have no other concern except for to help the poor souls at the bottom. To continue... It does overlap with science fiction. I think science fiction in this area particularly is looking to the future, this boy needs some artificial intelligence, to the world of intelligent machines, and questioning how that compares with human intelligence and the world of cyborgs, cybernetic organisms, part human, part machine, which is tremendously exciting and something I'm keen to get involved with more and more. So it's very exciting and it's also going to help people who are who are you know, they're paralyzed, etc. In the lecture you talked about the implant you had in two thousand and two for three months. Why did you feel it necessary to undergo such a procedure yourself? Now this is quite funny to me, this is funny. It's one of those things. If you're trying something like this for the first time, for the first time you says it, uh, you need to experience it yourself. We were sending signals down into the nervous system and up into the brain, and experience it for yourself has perhaps two main features. One is that it is, of course, very dangerous. I don't perhaps make anything off that. To be honest, having one of the researchers or somebody else that didn't need to carry out the experiment involved, and something went wrong, which he could easily do, I don't know how I could live with myself. If it goes wrong and it's me involved, then it's okay. I made the choice. I wanted to do the research. And if something went wrong, so be it. This man wants he, he wants a medal as well, and honours, maybe a knighthood thrown in there, and, and eventually maybe a Nobel Prize. He's a brave character. And all we have is his word He's even got one in the first place. We found that scam with the Jacobson family a few years ago who claimed they'd all had it. And then it, we found out, too, they all had shares in a company that was trying to flog the chip and didn't have chips at all. So he continues, that's one aspect, but also looking at extrasensory input, this is for the new agers, for example, or communicating in a new way, actually experiencing it for myself and understanding what it feels like is tremendously exciting and I actually get to benefit from it. You talk about the danger aspect of such an experiment. I'm sure you know that a lot of people would consider you to be a little bit nuts, but perhaps many are not aware of the inherent danger that goes with a lot of groundbreaking research. So here's the hero going to talk again. Yes, this is a little bit Jekyll and Hyde. From a scientific point of view, you don't know how it's going to work out. Ha <laughs> ha, it's been done a thousand thousand times before. in in experiments, as I say, from Tavistock onwards, not just in England, but across the planet. If Dr. Jekyll had succeeded, it would have been a completely different story. I've been lucky so far with the experiments we have done. I've come out of them okay. But the next one may not be so lucky. You have to take that risk, and some people may ridicule what you're doing. If you get it wrong, they think you're an idiot, and if you get it right, they seem to disregard it. But so be it. I'm not really bothered about that. I'm really interested in doing the work. That's what gets me excited. Yep, he's going for a knighthood too, definitely, definitely. Maybe two, three medals, a knighthood and a Nobel Prize. When you had the implant, your wife also went a similar procedure temporarily and you and she communicated nervous system to nervous system. Can you explain what happened and how it felt? I guess one of the things that i always been excited by all my life were the first experiments were conducted by Sam Morris with the telegraph system, and then with Alexander Graham Bell actually coming up with the telephone system, and making that step forward. So to be in the position later on to do something not only similar, but in some regards you could consider it as surpassing that was a fantastic opportunity. We had my implant which linked my nervous system electrically directly with the computer and then onto the Internet. And my wife, Irina, who also had electrodes pushed into her nervous system to link her nervous system to the computer and the Internet, and we essentially linked our nervous systems together directly, electrically. We had an electrical circuit which linked us directly so that when she moved her hand, the neural signals from her brain went from her nervous system and appeared on my nervous system and therefore up to my brain. So I guess you could say she's got her hands into everything. I, I love the colorful And the way the sunlight plays upon her head Hear the sound of a church On the wind that lifts her perfume through the air I'm picking up good vibrations She's giving me the excitations good. I'm picking up good vibrations She's So her brain signals traveled electrically to stimulate my nervous system and brain. And when she moved her hand three times, I felt my brain three pulses. And my brain recognized that my wife was communicating with me. It was the world's first purely electronic communication from brain to brain, and therefore the basis for thought communication. Now this is such a lot of rubbish because it's ancient stuff. It's very, very old stuff he's talking about here. It's purely familiarization to the public. Do you think that over time humans will develop a way of interpreting these communications appropriately? From what you have said, it seems as if you can experience things via neural implants that you can't entirely understand or verbalize. His answer: In the first instance, I think it will be quite trivial, like a telegraphic communication, and maybe even repeating a telephonic, almost a speech type of communication, but without actually talking just going from brain to brain. That shouldn't be too difficult to achieve, (laughs) since it's been done. It's then the big question of how much further we can go, because if we're transmitting signals brain to brain in a parallel way, it opens up the possibility of pictorial, graphical, colourful communication from brain to brain. That's really going to be exciting as people learn how to recognise those signals in a whole new way. Mm. It's very difficult to know exactly where it's going to go, ha. <laughs> this is really just opening up a whole new world of possibilities of communicating in a much richer way. Just as one hundred and thirty years ago, Alexander Graham Bell opened up our world with the first telephone call. I doubt you could imagine that it would have led to television. even mind you, if you read Alexander Graham Bell's history, High Mason, very high mason that he was, His father was already doing uh, voice-to-skull communications on people. Read your history. If we look 100 years into the future, it would be difficult to imagine what all this might lead to. I don't think so. One possible future that you touched on in the BCS lecture is the upgrading of humans to the point that we end up with cyborgs being the norm and remaining humans as some sort of, well, subspecies. Do you think this is likely? And what sort of timescale do you think we're looking at? You can tell these are posed questions and scripted answers. It's all been done. I think it's a distinct possibility. This is an exciting technology, ooh, that will stretch humankind. I don't think it will make the poor poorer. I like the think part. But it certainly will give those that can afford it intellectual abilities way beyond what they have. There's your snob appeal again. I also think that it may not only stretch society, but it may break into two groups. It could happen very quickly. And you'll find this sort of stuff in the, the movie, uh, even to do with genetic, well, genetic enhancement, you'll find it in Gattica. G-A-T-T-I-C-A. Gattica. Very worth reading or watching. Good movie. We're looking at the first thought communication experiments within a decade another lie. So within 10 years it will have been conducted. If not by me, it will have been done by others. It's going to happen. Within 20 years I would think that this could start to become a commercial reality. So you can go and have a little thing injected into your head. Well there you are, just a little thing injected into your head. Mm. And communicate with other people just by thinking. That will be tremendously powerful, Snob Appeal. But those that don't have it really will start to be left behind. There's your marketing strategy that all the big scriptors use. You'll be left behind. If your child doesn't get a computer, he will be left behind. That's what they said when they were uniting uh, Europe. Or well, if you don't join, you'll be left behind. Straight off marketing strategy. I would have thought that this two-tier society could be with us certainly by 2050. In a way, I don't really see a problem with it. If people want to upgrade, why not? Let's have more senses and a new way of communicating. If people don't want to do it, then it's their choice. Back to the reporter. If this happens, I guess a lot will come down to the commercialization of these technologies and how responsibly they are sold and used. Answer. I think it does present enormous commercial opportunity, and of course you have ethical questions, should or shouldn't you do this? The commercial opportunities have ethical questions in themselves, as they bring in profit not only for the companies involved, but also with countries. So if it's a UK company that launches a thought communication device that takes off, they will make enormous sums of money, this is to get all the sharks in, which will be good for the country, which is what we, we hope would happen. Ethical questions change from whether this is a good thing or not to the fact it will affect humans in a very big way. Well, this is your child speak for the children he's talking to, which is supposed to be us, you see. That was the ethic debate. Staying with ethical concerns, in the lecture you demonstrated very powerfully that people are currently benefiting from implants in a therapeutic sense. Could you explain the research in this area and how therapeutic implants evolve over time? At the moment, there is an implant that can be pushed right into the middle of the brain in a subthalamic nucleus in one potential area. And it provides a stimulation that counteracts the tremor effects of Parkinson's disease to the extent that many patients can lead a normal life, yeah, about half a dozen. And so they leave the implant switched on all the time. The number of people benefiting from that is now increasing. It was used to be five. Surgeons are getting very good in deciding which people can benefit from it. The exact frequency of stimulation and the positioning of it. There is now research into the long-term effects of this therapy. There is also research into neural implants and epilepsy which is looking extremely positive and there are all sorts of possibilities for applications of this sort of implant. It could help people with other types of dystonia or multiple sclerosis, there is a whole range of diseases and problems that could be tackled in one way or another. When you look at implants it opens up the area of paralysis whether through an illness or as a result of an accident and they have lesions in their nervous system. I think we're going to see in the very near future the possibility of bridging over the lesions and at least restoring some of the original function and at the same time allowing the person who was paralysed to control their environment to a certain extent to switch on lights or drive their car just by thinking. We're going to see these types of technology coming into play. There's your, there's your helping the people part, you see. Our history shows this works very well. The nature of your research has led you to quite a high profile in the media, and your work is often discussed on sites like the Register, but they don't seem to take you particularly seriously. How do you feel about this, and what's the knock-on effect on your work? Well, the work doesn't seem to have a high profile, which I guess is understandable. I think that anybody commenting on a regular basis in what I do must have an interest in it. At least every month there's a comment about me in the register. And I think that if they didn't think there was any value whatsoever in what I do, there wouldn't be any comments at all. He's partly right there. If he wasn't pushed there to be blurbed all over the world on various top shows, the biggest shows in every country, then we wouldn't know of him. He's there because they want us to know of him with his his PlayStation stuff he's talking about here, his tiddlywink stuff. Because it, this is stuff is obsolete, what he's actually saying here. And we know what the real chip's about. It's not about helping anybody. It's about total control. Now he continues. It's understandable. I'm doing some radical experiments. <laughs> and some people may think they are a little bit strange. So it's good that sites like the register. I like this register thing. Isn't that suspicious in itself, the register? Have you been done yet? Get on the register. The register question what I'm doing and whether it's right. It's another way of looking at it. <laughs> that I think is probably a very good thing and I applaud it. I love it that we live in a society where there are opportunities for people to question in this kind of way. <laughs> at the same time, it does bring attention to the work that I'm doing. People may look at the register and find out more about my work as a result. Then perhaps come along to a presentation that I'm giving or have a look at one of my papers and find out there's a bit more to it than the register was probably implying. I'm thankful to the register for pointing out the research I am doing. Perhaps most people that look at the site have considerable technological news as it were and so for them to find out more about what I'm doing is not a bad thing as far as I'm concerned he's using almost a Latin spiritual term here Uh, it's also an old Masonic term the new what's next for Kevin Warwick I'm involved in a whole range of projects at the moment one of them that is now ongoing is culturing neural networks that is actually growing artificial brains from biological tissue and we're working on that to control a little robot So rather than have a robot controlled by a computer brain, the robot will be controlled by a biological brain. That, to me, is tremendously exciting. I don't know why it's exciting to him as a professor who must know all this stuff, but I think it was Sony had it in the newspapers about 15 years ago. They were already doing this, and they had found they could grow neural tissue and interface it with uh, silicone chips and it would act as one part of the entire circuit. So, so he's talking obsolete here, to be almost kindergartenish, to make it sound appealing and exciting, to get us all used to it, predictive programming, they call it. In the implant world, we're l- working with surgeons on an improved implant for Parkinson's disease that can predict the tremors before they occur, and then counteract them before they actually happen so it's not stimulating all the time and hence not using up power constantly. It's just monitoring and then stimulates when appropriate, so it has to be able to predict what the human brain is doing. For my own implant, I see that as being about seven or eight years away. I do believe firmly that we can carry out a first experiment in thought communication, the first experiment even after DARPA's done it, involving brain-to-brain communication. It will require a brain implant, and i'm certainly on for it and i'm really excited and looking forward to it i really want to experience signals from somebody else's brain appearing in my brain i want to get there first well oh, what's above the nobel prize i wonder two medals and a knighthood and a nobel prize what else can we throw in here because what an amazing piece an amazing piece of propaganda this truly is uh and now that was published on Wednesday uh, December the 13th it was published in IT Wales interview by Sally Earls. and that's at www.itwales.com one word com. fascinating rubbish all old stuff Very old stuff. And using the the traditional tools to help the the sick, to help this and so on. And then to make it all exciting to the youth because it's the youth who are going to be the big targets. Uh, This was all discussed in many scientific papers, even when they were pushing for the virtual reality. The virtual reality wasn't going to end with a helmet uh, giving you visions inside your head. Was to lead to a chip implant which would give you you could be in a movie in other words for those who want a little bit on that of predictive programming watch the movie called The Lawnmower Man and the follow up to it but the first one had all of that in it this is predictive programming that's why when these things come along we think it's all quite natural now in a Pollyanna world as I say this guy pretends that we're living in everything's above board and we're all part of the system and we have a say in things and we're all making our own decisions power never comes into this uh, the power of, of a, mi- a minority running the planet as it always has by the way, always has and the powerful do rule always and they have always sought ways of more and more control this is to be the ultimate form of control, prior, a step-by-step, mind you, but prior to making completely rebuilding people themselves for specific tasks. That's what this is all about. But I get so sick of the propaganda of these characters who are shoved out into society. Um, And since we're trained, you see, only to listen to professors and doctors and all the rest of it the experts it stops us from thinking for ourselves we're trained that way now a tramp from the street could be warning about this for for his whole life and you would ignore him and that is true so you've been trained to listen to these characters when they come on with all their exciting chatter like chipmunks about how exciting it's all going to be and wonderful but nowhere does it mention the power it would give not only a group a dominant minority over everyone else but the power it could give to one single individual who's in charge of it all that should be terrifying at the moment we live in a world of complete surveillance most of this has been going on long before 9-11 came along in 2001. The public are always kept in the dark. There were writers as far back as the 1950s exposing the, the methods in which police had complete documentation on personality profiles and the events in each person's life in the complete and the entire western world even down to your, your local village they, they were making up all the personality profiles and most of it came from gossip they were actually writing down gossip on who's doing what and so on and of course the eastern stars involved because the old lady the eastern star uh, we'll also meet with the Grand Master at the local lodge, and they pass on all this data, and then it goes to the police. Our telephone calls have been getting monitored, uh, probably since the days of Bell's first telephone, been given to the public. They've always used this for a method of data collecting, because we have never lived in an open society. But we are part of the decision-making process. We have never, ever had that. It has never existed. All we have is a propaganda to convince us that it exists. And always has existed. And that's all it is, is propaganda. Most people today don't even handle cash anymore. They use cards for everything. Everything's tracked. They know it. they don't care. And the reason that democracy was chosen was because in democracies you can bring totalitarian schemes to fruition in the absolute confidence that at least 75%, it used to be 75%, I think it's closer to 90 now, of the population will go along with whatever it is because they don't want to get into trouble. And knowing that, they can then alter the laws and say, well, we've made it voluntary up until now, but now the system's adapted to most folk using this particular thing, so you will have to adapt as well. And if cash disappears, everything's monitored. Because you can count on at least 75% to go along. The mob, because the mob get their ideas from the main media, they cannot think for themselves. They don't have the ability to reason for themselves. And that's not a slur by me. That's a statement of fact by study of massive think tanks, not only in the last couple of hundred years, but probably for a thousand years or more, and put out by people like Zygmunt Brzezinski, who was quite blatant about that. Most people... Have lost the ability to reason for themselves, they really think the media is there to do their thinking for them and to tell them what's important to them. They believe that truly. So, in a democracy, you can count on the majority to force the minority to go along. People don't even know that at one time car licensing for your driving license was voluntary. And then the insurance policies for it was voluntary as well. Today there's hardly a store you can go into without them demanding to know your name and address and everything else about you, even if you're paying in cash. And nobody, most folk don't care, because they belong to the majority. And for those who easily, and it's it's very easy to get angry at at the high manipulators who coolly and calmly give orders to think tanks to work on certain problems, societal problems and using the big marketing companies and marketing strategies to to basically market the idea into our heads. It's easy to get angry with them which is counterproductive. Because the one with a cool head is always going to win in the end. And these people are very cool at the top. They're no panic situation. Very calm and collected as the insect-like plan our destinies for us. But they're not the main enemy. The main enemy of the populace who understand what's happening and who appreciate the freedom and privacy, and who are indignant, that word which has been lost, indignant, when privacy is taken away. The minority have a problem with the majority. It's the majority that become your problem. Without the majority, as the ancient Greek said, the dominant minority couldn't do anything at all. They need the approval of the majority. And the majority will always take what it seems to be the easy way to go at the time. They're, they follow the stars and when the big stars come on the ones, the talking heads that have been put up there as gods or demigods and when they go for it or say they'll, they'll go for it so will the mob. They will go for it too. And they already are using minor types of implants in certain clubs, as I mentioned before. And the man who promotes that whole club industry, work for the NSA, National Security Agency, that should make you feel very comfortable. And I've no doubt whatsoever those who are making the chips, all of these chips, I don't care if they're publicly registered, they are worked and funded and directed by and staffed at the top by CIA, MI6, etc. Because you could never give a truly beneficial thing to the public and lose power over the public. Therefore, any technology that's given out there with any potential whatsoever for power must be 100% controlled and and the actual chip implant made by these companies because the function eventually is to control all of us it is interesting to to study this kind of propaganda and use your memory And that's what really brings it to you, home to you. Is this is nothing but a a familiarization process of pure propaganda. I very much doubt that that this guy even wanders from a script that's written for him. He does the standard technique of it's for the the sick, how it will benefit them, and he, he gets the worst. Kind of cases, or oh, the 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 uh, those with Parkinson's, and, and all of that. And they, all he wants to do is for result to take a little chip right in the middle of the brain, just a little injection in the brain. From the elite's point of view, this is the the, the natural way to go. They have no moral qualms about this because look at the trouble they've gone to in the entire world to make an agenda up for a totalitarian 21st century. Completely totalitarian. Where everyone's observed. i watched that the camera's been thrown up all over Europe for 15 years or more now that's the ones that been invested at the time when we knew this started they could have been doing it a lot longer than that I'm sure and it's all for our safety you know you can have people so safe they can't move they're in straitjackets because life involves risk and the risk taking is part of living if you don't take the risk you're not living you're following a program. It's a difficult thing to understand, as I say, that your main problem is not with the elite. It's with the rest of society that docilely goes along with everything, becomes a majority, and forces you along with them. There is no doubt, however, that this technology will make it so much easier for a dominant minority, and cheaper, too, to observe everyone, to know what everyone's doing at any second of any day. They'd also know what a person's thinking about doing remember the movie was put out with Tom Cruise not so long ago where they had a, a predictive type of arrest in it and you arrested if they thought you might be thinking about committing a crime only in, in the movie they were using sort of strangely bred people who were types of mediums who predicted oh this is even better and we'll have a whole new and, and law will benefit so much from this layers are, they love to create new levels and layers and strata of law and lawyers who will be able to deal with all of this This stuff where, where you've been accused of thinking about maybe doing something it may have been a daydream or, or a real dream but you'll be charged regardless and the, to think of something will be a crime in itself it will be forbidden areas which you can't go into this is the new freedom which they're talking about because do you think they would leave that alone? We see where it's going today where verbal communication is being restricted all the time and you can't simply say what you want to say sometimes for fear of offending whoever or whatever. By law. A whole new field was was opened up for lawyers. These armies they churn out all the time, like we mentioned in Devil's Advocate, the movie. So lawyers always benefit and they can be as confusing as possible uh, so that they'll get the business because it's it's always too difficult for the driver to figure out what's really going on. The, The kind of talks we could give on what's happening today to be of quick effect, would have to have been given widely given out in the 1950s to the children being born then. It's always a bit late after the event, when they've been starting something, a project towards a specific goal. We have to be in on it from the beginning to head it off at the pass most of what we're told is, is after the, the event, after the horse has bolted, which makes it very difficult to alter. The, such as the technology, the technology is there, it is already perfected. As this character tries to uh, win his medals for getting a chip put in his arm or wherever, uh, there's, and it's in the newspapers recently that bureaucrats and civil servants in Mexico had to have implants put in so they can, they can open doors and get through into certain departments. The reason this professor is brought out is to make it sound so appealing and we should all have one. doesn't even mention the abuse it could have so so easily by a small group of fanatics even in a real world, never mind the dominant minority who've always been fanatical in this real world. The ethics aren't even discussed. The abuses are not discussed. The lack of privacy. And there's nothing more private than your thoughts. That wasn't discussed. It's supposed to be exciting. And remember that meeting I talked and read some from from the Loyola meeting where the world's uh, scientists all met to discuss the implantation of the brain chip as a past event, as it's all ready to go before Mr. Warwick uh, popped up as a front man, a publicist. And he said at that meeting that the only problem they had to do now was convince the public to accept it and that regional computers were set up already control the populations. You'll have a little number with your chip. That will be you from then on. And the top scientist from Tokyo said it will drastically alter humanity in every aspect. He said um, it will no longer be a form of society as we know it. Think of it more as a beehive you will hear whispering thoughts of other people as this information is whizzed back to central computers, regional computers, and and it bypasses through your brain and and then goes comes from the computer back to them. So you you'll be hearing all this whispering in your head exactly as the Star Trek series and the movies and Star Trek showed for the Borg exactly, and that tells you you see that those in the in the the industry of making the movies, the big ones which influence your lives, are in on the whole deal from the get-go. Gene Roddenberry, for instance, who started the Star Trek series, was a member of NASA. He was in in all their big meetings to do with this because they discussed at NASA where they wanted society to be led. And how do you lead society You do by predictive programming. Make up a story, add technologies, show them one area how this technology can be used so it doesn't seem so bad, it seems good, and make it sound exciting in a drama form. And that's how our thoughts are shaped. Our opinions are shaped that way. And when they bring out the real thing in society, we think, well, I guess that's quite a natural way to go. Was it really huh? was it really how many other directions could it have gone everything must be made to appear so natural to us so that we don't question anything and you know that your neighbor and most people couldn't think this comes out probably in a lower version probably a body implant initially like the ones are giving to the to the nightclubs in different countries in Europe. So that they don't have to use cash or a card or anything else to gain access or, or to buy their, their booze. It's deducted from the, the credit on their chip. There probably be something like that to make more, to familiarize us. You must familiarize the herd in a step-by-step process towards your ultimate goal. that's the technique that's used on animals even wild ones the deer generally will run off when they see humanity approaching but if they have to be grazing in certain fields and, and you keep still they see you, you're far enough away that they feel fairly safe that they watch you and they see you a few times you can get a little bit closer each time until they really think you're harmless that's the same technique that's being used on humanity with this technology and people adapt like the ancient Greeks said that there's nothing on the planet more adaptable than mankind we adapt so fast and quickly to anything that's new and given to us those who don't adapt so quickly well you can simply wait them out that they'll die off the upcoming generation won't know they'll think anything that exists when they're born must be natural because it simply exists and you're not there to tell them otherwise back in the 80s there was a great big push to to start children getting used to credit cards at high school and once again it was promoted uh, with a form of snob appeal and yeah you can shake your your head at humanity and I do it too a lot of the parents wanted uh, to know that their child had a credit card snob appeal and the big haired follow each other they want to be the same they're terrified in a society which has always promoted uniformity, people are terrified of being stigmatized as an individual. It's the same mentality that we found out thousands of years ago that children would, would, would use. Children are not happy with each other when they're playing, you sit and watch them and you'll see the cruelty in very young children. Tremendous cruelty to each other. And when the fashion industry, which is always involved in marketing to the young, they know they go through this phase of wanting to belong and they bring out the fashions. Any girl or boy who doesn't wear the appropriate fashions and now it's brand names. At one time they'd pay you to wear a billboard during the Great Depression and walk up and down the street advertising a company with its logo. The average person today thinks it's quite natural. Not only natural, they want to wear the logos for free. They'll buy the thing and, and, and promote it by advertising it, by wearing it. Snob appeal. It's, it's amazing. The children... I've seen them at school turn on people who couldn't afford to keep up. And they were vicious to them. That's the reality of humanity. And it's always the mob. The ones who are vicious and the mob that gathers to watch They get drawn to excitement or or, or possible fights. They, they, They love it. individuality has not been promoted in our system and and being different has not been promoted at all even those who think they're being different by joining some radical group including the sexual revolutions and variations in between are simply joining other authorized groups they're not being different at all if they're being different, believe you me he'd be persecuted by the state by the system you know Hegel takes a lot of flack and wrongly too for for his observations and yet he's so right in so many things to do with the opposites because again it's an ancient religion he was in on the religion that if you truly want to stop something you can become the tyrant yourself if you have to force it upon others you're doing exactly what the elite are doing to people right now they're dominating them And perhaps this whole experience of living was never meant for the masses in the first place. And that's something, that's a starting point to reality. Each individual goes through their own experiences. They can analyze things for themselves or they can allow the state and their conditioning to do it for them. To think in mass movements has never worked except for the elite. So they use the technique on the masses, that's why it's called a mass movement. Once in a blue moon, a very, very few are persecuted heavily by the system. standing up to it and just by speaking about it heavily heavily persecuted we have seen that in the Soviet system where the gulags were full of people who would passed pamphlets on handwritten pamphlets and copied them and passed them on because the state wanted to know what everyone was doing and thinking and speaking about and and, and making sure that all their speech and their thoughts and their actions were politically correct and here we are under the same system today and as long as they keep telling us we're free as long as you can turn on the television set and the same familiar faces are on there smiling every day then, well, it must be normal, eh? Everything's fine. You know, you can't get a flat tire fixed today at the major stores without giving all your ID, even if you're paying cash. They want to know your name, your address, your telephone number, make model a vehicle, yada, 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 And people hand over this info all the time and never ask the question, why do they need this? When you're doing something, which is a lawful transaction, you're paying for something to get fixed to a company that does it. Now the government's involved. Why would they be involved right down to that level? Don't ever count on the the populace standing up for the same thing at the same time. What you can count on is that if some movement was authorized from the top, the populace would all join it tomorrow. But if it's not promoted from the top down, forget it, it's not going to happen. And it's always been this way in all ages. There has never been cohesion with all of the people about anything. grouch complain but they would never do anything about it that's the majority of the public if their basic needs are being met if they're warm and fed and watered and having a few other necessities of humanity thrown in they really don't care what's coming down the pike because they believe like domesticated animals they are being well taken care of and well managed by people they have never seen by names they have never heard of before at the top by think tanks and bureaucracies and on and on it goes that's the sign of a truly domesticated happy slave Arthur Kostler and others who worked on projects to lobotomize the brain for these same dominant masters, these these little minority at the top said that uh, that would be one of the first signs and symptoms that it was successful when the ability for self-preservation when that awareness that little thing that questions things and looks at things, when it was no longer operating, then the lobotomies would be successful. Chemical and biological lobotomies. Do you think maybe it's happened with most people? Do you think it's just a matter that they can't understand what you're saying when you present them with fact after fact after fact? in a sense they can't, they're unable to comprehend because something has damaged them I tell people to look for those who are still alive they're spraying us still like bugs I watched it today and was working outside and the same media that will tell you all the joys of chips in your brain won't even touch that subject and yet we're supposed to trust them all. The same people are in charge of this frame. All decision-making decision, decision making in the planet, the same people are in charge but they won't even allow a media to discuss this frame. And yet we're supposed to believe the prunes that they send out as frontmen, like this, this professor with his obsolete information, this happy, exciting news he's giving us all, which is antique. We're supposed to believe that um, it's going to be a wonderful, rosy future. Do you realize how long it's been in the making for a minority? to plan to take over completely the minds of every single person on the planet, without the need of religions, coercion, fear, and so on. And yet they're hoping and they're they're pretty well on with this, they don't just make wild guesses, but they're hoping they will all just want it quietly, excitedly. and unfortunately for a lot of people that will happen, they will, and you couldn't stop them if you tried so rather than waste your time with the dead you must only shout out the information to those who are alive everything has a purpose and being conscious certainly does have a purpose all of this will manifest itself at the right time that's all for me tonight may your God go with you and for professor Warwick and his handlers this song is for you I could while away the hours Confirming with the flowers Consulting with the rain And in my head I'd be scratching While my thoughts were busy hatching If I only had a brain I'd unravel every riddle For any individual In trouble or in pain. With the thoughts you'd be thinking You could be in Mother Lincoln If you only had a brain Oh, I will tell you why The ocean's near the shore I could think of things I never thought before And then I'd sit and think some more I would not be just a number. My head all full of stuffin' My heart all full of pain I would dance and be merry like me A ting a dairy if I only had a brain